Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Folks, you're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 201 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live at the White Dragon Studio in Orlando, Florida, and Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey, on July the 3rd, 2020. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Pete. How are you? I'm good. You got your walking shoes? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I rested. All right, folks, we are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day, and we want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Pete! Kev. Welcome to the 200s, my friend. Yeah, we're in the 200s. Yeah, Wild. we passed episode 200, now we're on 201. It's just like episode one all over again. But much later. Right, right. Just like episode one. So magic bands are a thing that are coming to Walt Disney World. Uh, oh, yeah. I wonder what that's going to mean. Push the trash can is going away. That Those were our topics in the first episode, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I missed Push. I talked I, about Push the, the, like about two weeks ago, actually. I was so talking long. about Push the other day as well. So, yeah, yeah gone, but definitely not forgotten. Uh, I know. Uh, but we have got a lot to get through today. We've got a lot of news. Or not a lot of news. I mean, we just did the show a couple days ago. Like, so how much news can really pop up? Well, a lot, because the parks are about to reopen. So we've got some, so not like a whole lot of news, but a lot of quantity in the news. Like, the news that we have is big. So we've got that, and then we're moving ahead with the Two Men and the Mouse Walt Disney World Tour afterwards, where we're going to be exploring Liberty Square. This episode is dropping on July the 4th, uh, which, if you're in the United States, means something to you. And uh, we are going to be, you know... Charging along and moving into Liberty Square. So you ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, going into the news. The news, as always, brought to you by our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. You can always find Dave at DisneyDaveW at Verizon.net. All right, ready for some worldwide news? Might as well start worldwide. Yeah, go broad. Disney has opened advanced dining reservations for guests with canceled reservations. So if you right. had your reservation, if you had a reservation and it was canceled, like me, because I had a reservation for the afternoon tea room or the Garden View tea room at um, Grand Floridian that got canceled. So I got an email about this. So right. reservations opened on June 30th for those guests who had prior dining reservations canceled. However, it does not indicate if this is for all locations or just for uh, resort hotels. Hmm. Uh, I think it is all locations. I, I went on briefly now. My trip doesn't qualify yet because I'm still too far out. So right. I went on and looked in August just to see if some of the some of the restaurants that I like, you know, the Cellier, could I make a reservation? You can. There's open reservations for August. Garden oh. Grill, I looked. There's okay. reservations there. So so there there's actual park reservations up. And I, I know everyone's saying you have to call. I did it on my Disney experience and they were available. So so basically, according to Disney, if you had an active dining reservation on or before September 2nd, 2020, that was canceled as of May 28th due to the temporary closure of Walt Disney World, 
you'll have the opportunity to make new reservations beginning on June 30th, up to 60 days in advance of your arrival. Uh, this reservation, these reservations are for all guests, so you don't need to be a resort, uh, a resort guest or an annual pass holder or anything like that. Right. Uh, the, well, the Disney College program has been suspended indefinitely. Yeah, not surprising. I mean, it's not surprising to me either. Um, I mean, you know, it hurts. Cause I was there the day that the college program kids all kind of got the pink slip and like, it really stunk because you saw these like crying college kids everywhere. Like, you know, it, it, it definitely like hurt. Right. Uh, but yeah, the college program has been suspended. My, my cousin's daughter was supposed to come down for the college program in the fall. And I guess now that's not happening. Uh, Disney yeah. has today announced that it has suspended the Walt Disney World College program until further notice. This is uh, taken from www.magic.com. It was previously announced that the company would be suspending the Fall Advantage program, but this appears to have now been extended to cover all college program activities. Uh, Walt Disney World's college program comprised of more than 5,500 cast members deployed to a variety of roles from attraction hosts to character performers. So this is the official update from Disney. As you may have heard, Walt Disney World Resort is in the process of welcoming guests back to our parks and resorts in the coming weeks as part of a phased and deliberate approach with the well-being and safety of guests and cast members at the forefront of our planning. We continue to act on the guidance of government and health agencies and make decisions based on their input. With that, we wanted to share an update about our Disney College program. We are still in the early phase of the reopening process. Many of the buildings with it, with the Disney housing complex within the Disney housing complex have remained closed and we have not yet determined when we will reopen them. With that in mind, we have made the difficult decision to continue to suspend our Disney College program until further notice. We regret we regretfully need to advise you that our offer of employment to you is withdrawn. Please be assured that we will refund your program fee. We understand this is not the news you were hoping to hear, and we want to assure you this decision was not made lightly. We are committed to our Disney programs and plan to resume in the future when the time is right. Knowing that some of you may still want to experience our Disney programs later, we are amending our eligibility requirements so that those who have recently graduated will be able to reapply. If you'd be interested in a future program, please let us know by completing the information on the link provided, and we will keep you updated on a future opportunity. We greatly appreciate your passion for Disney and interest in the Disney College program, and we look forward to the opportunity to welcome back our college program participants in the future. We thank you. We hope you and your family stay safe. Thank you, Disney internships and programs. So there you go. Not unexpected, and again, probably just temporary. I mean, maybe more temporary than, you know, maybe more permanent than we'd like, but... yeah. I mean, I can't see it being a forever thing. No, definitely not. Disney really counts on the CPs to... Right. Yeah, because, I mean, not to, like, make it sound like this, but, like, it's 5,500 cast members that are cheap labor. Yep. And, you know, for guests, it's part of the experience. Yeah. I love love meeting CPs and just being like, oh, how's your program going? Because you see it on their their name tag and it has their university or, or, or school. Okay, so this is the thing that you actually asked me about the other day that I didn't have information on yet. Transportation options. Uh, what is going to be available when the parks reopen? So as we start reopening on July 11th, uh, we have an updated lineup of transportation options that are expected to be available. You ready for this? Yep. Monorails. The express monorail and resort monorail will be in service, providing transport uh, for TTC Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, and Disney's Contemporary Resort. The Epcot beam will not be available. Okay. So no uh, monorails to Epcot, but you have both the resort monorail and the express monorail from the TTC. 
the Disney Skyliner. This is a big one that people were wondering about. All three Skyliner lines will be in operation, providing transport for guests at Riviera and Pop Century to Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. So there you go. All right. The Skyliner will be back and up and running and operational. Watercraft. Uh, Ferry boats will be available for transport from the TTC to the Magic Kingdom. Watercraft will be available from the Polynesian Wilderness Lodge and Fort Wilderness to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Now, uh, walking. Beach Club and Boardwalk will have no transport to Epcot, with walking being the only option. I mean, it's really, really close. It's super close. I I know for some people it's a hassle, you know, who have mobility issues, but I mean, I can't think of anything closer when you're talking about a park and a resort yeah would you say i would say it's it's got to be closer than the contemporary is to the magic kingdom because you've got to walk across like if you're staying in the contemporary not in bailey tower you got to walk across the parking lot then you got to walk down the street no you're right yeah i think i so i think i think that it's closer to i think the epcot resorts are closer beach club and um boardwalk super easy walk i love it right me too (laughs) <laughs> all right buses buses will operate from all resorts to all parks and disney springs except where an alternative is listed above so you know you're not taking a bus from the polynesian village resort to um magic kingdom because you have the monorail on the watercraft friendship boats and sasagula boats are not yet in service so the epcot boat is not going to be going Okay. There you go. None of it. Minivan service is also not yet available. Disney's Magical Express from the Orlando International Airport is available. Parking lot trams will not be available. Hmm. Guests will need to walk from the parking lot to the front of the park or to the monorail ferry of the TTC for the Magic Kingdom. That's a biggie. It's a biggie if you're way out there. If you're way out there and you have mobility issues, yeah. Like, I mean, like, I can't imagine why they would not run the parking trams because they're they're open, you know, like, you could very easily, like, I guess it would be a real hassle to try to, like, keep people out of them or keep people social distancing in them. Yeah. Like, with the monorail and the in the ferry boat you can kind of control the flow of people yeah but even in like the the parking lot tram why couldn't you i mean those things are long why couldn't you block off every other row i suppose you could but then you might have issues of like eight people trying to cram into one row yeah people don't like even it's amazing how some people will still try to cram into the into the the parking lot tram even knowing that another tram is literally right there within view. I know. Like, pulling up. I always feel so bad because, like, the number of people that just flat out ignore the instructions on the parking tram kind of makes me, like, understand why we can't have this right now. Because, you know, I've heard so many times the person on the back of the tram being like, no further boarding, no further boarding at this time. And all of a sudden you see um, people just jumping on the tram. It's insane. Uh, no resort news this week. No water park news, other than that they're still closed. Disney Springs news, however. Splitsville is reopening. That is the bowling alley restaurant uh, there. Okay. It's opening on July the 10th. So one day before the parks reopen. It has been closed since March. Uh, Cirque du Soleil has filed for bankruptcy. Did you see this? I did see that. 
Yeah, Cirque du Soleil has, has announced that it is filed for bankruptcy and will terminate 3,480 employees who were previously furloughed. The company was forced to shut down all of its productions due to COVID-19, and it is not yet clear on what the future is of those shows, including Drawn to Life, the new show coming to Disney Springs. Hmm. I mean, that would, I mean, they've put a lot of time and money into adapting this theater now. Yeah, but filing for bankruptcy doesn't necessarily mean you're out of business, right? All is lost, right? Right. It's just kind of like a protection thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, who knows? AMC Theaters has pushed back the reopening date of their theaters, including the one at Disney Springs. Um, It's pushing, uh, instead of a July 15th relaunch, which was the original intended date, AMC now plans to open 450 of its theaters on July 30th, with the remaining expected to be open by the end of the following week. When AMC reopens, auditoriums will be reduced to 30% capacity or less based on municipality guidelines. In auditoriums with traditional seating, every other row is blocked off. In all auditoriums, including those, those wider AMC signature recliners, guests will be asked to leave an empty seat between yourself and other guests. Most importantly, AMC will require guests to wear masks inside the theater. Um, I'm eating popcorn. Interesting. I was just going to say, like, like, what am I going to do about my snacks? I because know. You I can't, thought the same thing. I, I used to be the guy that would just be like, oh, you don't need snacks at the movie theater. And then I started buying snacks at the movie theater. And I'm like, I, you can't do no movie, no snacks at the movie theater. Is, is popcorn is your go-to? What? Is popcorn, popcorn your go-to? Yeah, that's my standard, yeah. Popcorn has always been my go-to. Lately, I've been experimenting with uh, the nachos at AMC. I feel like okay. you get a lot of them for, for the amount of money that you pay. And the, I've also really liked the pretzel bites with the cheese. I've, I've had both of them. And, you know, ironically, I will get the cheese with them. Not really so much pretzel bites, but the nachos. Yeah. I think it's because I like things that are a dip. Like, I'm a huge fan of guacamole and salsa. Right. And I can control the cheese content. Oh, I forgot about your love of the guac. Yeah, no, I love guac. Yeah, like, do you still, like... You, well, I mean, we used to do the show at night. You used to always have your post-show guac. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends on if avocados are really in season. Right. But I, I'm, yeah, I love, I love. Now guac. we do the show oh. in the morning. You're probably not getting post show guac. No, no. I'm sorry, I kind of ended that for you without. Thinking All right. Epcot news. We have no Magic Kingdom news this week, but Epcot news. This is news that applies to you. Garden Grill will be offering a modified character experience when it reopens. Okay. The restaurant usually features table side appearances by Mickey, Pluto, Chip, and Dale. While we know table-side appearances will not happen, it isn't clear what the modified experience will include or which characters will be present. A walkthrough would seem the most likely. Garden Grill is so far the only in-park restaurant to include characters, and Disney's Riviera Resort has has the only resort character dining option at Topolino's. So Garden Grill will still be a character experience that will be modified. It sounds like the characters are just going to walk through and, like, wave. Yeah, and I heard they like stop for maybe like a picture, not with people, but you know, stop so you can take their picture. Right. Listen, I don't, I don't need that. Now, yeah. I, when I say I don't need it, I don't mean I don't want it. Like I'm happy they're doing it. Um, I'm, my kids are old enough. It's not like I need to get like you know they have to get their picture with Mickey. Right. So I mean, I'm still happy. We'll see characters. I'll still have some of the feeling of of Garden Grill normally, Correct. but um, you know, at the same time, it isn't like oh no, I miss them. Like I, I'll be okay. You know what I mean? Does Garden Grill still rotate? Yes, of course. Because for a while it wasn't rotating, remember? Like, they had, like, stopped rotating it? 
oh, I don't know if I've ever been there and it wasn't rotating. For I remember we reported it on the show years ago about huh, how okay. like it wasn't rotating anymore. But if you say if it was so, the last time you were there, it rotated. Oh, yeah, of course. All right. Well, then I've still never done it. I love Gardenville. I'm dying to do it. I've just I never have, and I'm gonna wait until you know all this is over to actually do it. But um, uh, Hollywood Studios news: There's no Animal Kingdom news this week. Aga's Cantina has been removed from the list of reopening. Love um, that. Yeah. So the lounge's appearance on the initial reopening list caused some surprise, as Aga's Cantina has very low capacity and is a rather tight and confined interior space with no outdoor capability. It may also fall under the new guidelines that are restricting the sale of alcohol at bars. So it was removed from the list of places that are reopening and is believed to not be reopening alongside the rest of Hollywood Studios. Docking Bay 7, the Milk Stand, and Ronto Roasters remain on the reopening list for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We kind of talked about this in the last on episode 200 about how, you know, this is a bar. Florida's not letting bars serve alcohol. Um, you know, is this going to actually reopen? And apparently it looks like it's not going to. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, that, it's also, you know, really small in there. I'm not quite sure how they can do it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, with social distancing, what, are you going to have 15 people in there? Right. I mean, I, mean that, I guess you could fill all the tables. You could, yeah. I mean, but a lot of them are standing tables. Right, so you could fill all the sitting tables on the outskirts, and then you could fill all the standing tables with uh, individual parties. Okay. You know how they'll sometimes put like multiple people at a standing table? Oh, they always so do. Maybe, right. So now let's say you're limiting, you know, that's where you're going with like parties of four and, and stuff like that. But at the bar, I mean, you're right on top of each other. So I don't know how they could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Typically, it's like three to four parties at one of the standing tables. So it's kind of like nuts. Um, right. Okay. And that's the news this week. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Not a lot of news, but, you know, right. decent decent you know what do you want from me it's it, we gotta we gotta report the news as it comes in people Ugh. sorry I'm, I'm kidding um all right so we're gonna take a quick commercial break we're gonna hear from our wonderful sponsors and then we'll be back with our e-ticket attraction of the week in which we are going to continue to explore um walt disney world in our around the world tour with liberty square so stay tuned folks more two men in the mouse coming at you right after this you know, Pete, it's hard work planning a Disney vacation. Of course. Your whole family has to get going. You got to pack everything up. You got to figure out where you're eating. You got to figure out where you're staying. But you know what makes life so much easier and makes your trip planning a more fun experience? Tell me. That sounds like something I need. Absolutely. You need a travel agent. Do we know one of those? We absolutely do. We know our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse, folks. We've both used him. Yes, we have. Dave Weikert plans our Disney vacations all the time, and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves. Dave started his Cranford-based business here in 2008, and in that time has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it were his own, and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with, and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. 
that is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that's like that. That's like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney Cruise Line vacations you might be going. Uh, this can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. You give them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on it. Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse. If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip, whereas park-rented strollers, you got to return them before you leave the park that day. This is going to make those late-night post-fireworks bus stop queues so much easier, and Dad's shoulders are going to thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. humans my name is morty monster and i'm uh, well i'm a monster i'm here as an exchange student from the monster world where growing up i fell in love with the world of human pop culture unfortunately not a lot of monsters share that passion so i came here to experience all of these things that i love and to share that passion with all of you i do this through my youtube channel with regular video blogs One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonster and Friends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications, and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you, Morty Monster! Hey listeners, this is Mark Daniel, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse.
Folks, today is the 4th of July in the United States of America. Actually, it's probably the 4th of July everywhere. I mean, possibly. Yeah. Um, uh, so let me amend that. Uh, folks, today it is Independence Day in the United States of America. For those of you who don't know, that is the day the U.S. won its independence from England after the Revolutionary War. Fate just so happened, well, fate and, you know, some epic rescheduling, uh, to happen to line our world tour up perfectly with this holiday because there is a land in Walt Disney World that is specifically modeled after this exact time period. I'm talking, of course, about Liberty Square. It's a land of history, of heroism, of a drive to strive for freedom. While Liberty Square is not a large land, in fact, it's dwarfed by just about every other land in the Magic Kingdom, it is often the land that has the most impact on a lot of people. From the history that waits around every corner, to the amazing snacks, to one of the most spectacular attractions in the history of Disney parks, there is so much to see and do in this small space. So, folks, the Two Men and the Mouse World Tour continues this week with Liberty Square. Pete, welcome to Liberty Square. I love it here. Uh, it's the best. Um, so uh, Liberty Square has long been my favorite land in the Magic Kingdom, and for, for many, many reasons. I, I think that it's one of the lands that the Imagineers put a lot of extra effort into to like make things historically accurate and to, to kind of like like place hidden story elements in everything. Plus, I mean, it's got, you know, my favorite attraction and one of my favorite like locations to stop and get a snack, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. So we're going to enter Liberty Square where we left off last week, uh, last time in Fantasyland, where we're entering through that portal that is over by Peter Pan's flight and the Rapunzel restroom area. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to talk a little bit about the way you would enter from the hub, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, but before that, you know what's interesting is, of all of the lands in Walt Disney World... Liberty Square is the only land that is exclusive to Walt Disney World. Have you ever Ooh. thought about that? I don't know. I have, but you're right. I mean, it is pretty amazing. Main Street USA is also in Disneyland. Fantasyland, I believe, is in all of them. Uh, Tomorrowland, I believe, is in most of them, if not all of them. Frontierland is definitely at least in Disneyland. Um, Adventureland, same thing. It, so... Liberty Square is exclusive, and it's the only thing we've got that's exclusive in the Magic Kingdom. And uh, when Walt Disney World opened in 1971, the U.S. Bicentennial was just a few years away, and that was part of the reasoning for including a Liberty Square, because it was such a big deal. So Liberty Square was created to highlight the Bicentennial, and Liberty Square was actually one of Walt Disney's final dreams that was realized in Walt Disney World. Uh, originally Walt wanted a Liberty Square in Disneyland to the point where there were actually signs that sprouted up in the 50s in Disneyland saying, coming soon, Liberty Street. Hmm. Um, Time and budget kept it away from from what it was supposed to be. In the original plans, they thought about including a Liberty Square kind of area in Frontierland. And then after that, the idea was to make it um, an expansion to Main Street USA, so it would kind of run adjacent to Main Street and be Liberty Street, which would have colonial shops, a silversmith, a blacksmith, and in the, it would end in a cul-de-sac with colonial buildings and an attraction, an attraction that highlighted all of the different presidents of the United States. Sounds familiar, right? Sure does. Uh, <clears throat> well, that was something Walt desperately wanted because Walt was such an American patriot and unfortunately wasn't able to happen, but they made it happen in Walt Disney World. So... 
The first thing you'll notice in Liberty Square is it's a blending of different styles. You've got that Dutch New Amsterdam design from the Hudson River Valley at the entrance and over by the Haunted Mansion. There's kind of a Williamsburg, Virginia style with the old Christmas shop, the federal Philadelphia style building of the Hall of Presidents, and the New England inspired architecture of Columbia Harbor House. So now let's actually enter in. We're going to enter from the central... Uh, so we're going to enter from where we're going to enter, but we're going to talk about where the you can enter from the central hub as well. So the okay. Main Street USA ragtime music is going to turn into colonial music as you cross through this this gateway. You have crates of tea that are stacked over by the brick walls. I always want to take that tea and throw it into the nearby castle moat to have my have own right. Orlando tea party. <laughs> tea party, right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, there is a plaque right outside that tells us a little bit about Liberty Square. And uh, now, do you happen to have this plaque hanging in your house? Like you had the one, the Walt Disney I World do not. One. I don't think they've made that one. If they did, I would. But. Okay. Well, here's what it says. Past this gateway stirs a new nation waiting to be born. Thirteen separate colonies have banded together to declare their independence from the bonds of tyranny. It is a time when silversmiths put away their tools and march to the drums of a revolution. A time when gentlemen planters leave their farms to become generals. A time when tradesmen leave the safety of home to become heroes. Welcome to Liberty Square. I really like that because, so it's like Liberty Square gets an opening crawl. Yeah. Like a Star Wars movie. Yep. And most people overlook it. They don't even know that it's there. Right, right beyond that also there's the guard shack, which I always love the guard shack. It's it's got, you know, um, a rifle sitting there inside of it. And then you have the Liberty Bridge, which was actually inspired by an, a real bridge. It's uh, the Old North Bridge in Concord, Massachusetts, uh, by which occurred the first day battle of the Revolutionary War. So you see okay. what I you see what I mean when I'm saying that like all of these things like like there's so much additional history built into Liberty Square, like things that you would never know. Yep. <clears throat> now, um, while we're here, I want to touch very briefly on Sleepy Hollow Refreshments because it's one of my favorite places. Me too. Yeah. Uh, it's a New York Dutch version of a colonial gabled house. And this is an allusion to Washington Irving, uh, who was the first writer to create stories about American characters. So that was Rip Van Winkle, um, you know, Ichabod Crane, the Headless Horseman. These were all Washington Irving stories. And the roof line of this of, of Sleepy Hollow Refreshments is actually inspired by Washington Irving's actual home in the Hudson Valley, which is a building called Sunnyside. Okay. So that's like a really cool thing that they like actually modeled Sleepy Hollow Refreshments after Washington Irving's actual home. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Did he have funnel cakes at his house? I would hope so, because they've got them here. So yeah, let's talk the menu for a little bit. They have funnel cakes there. This is where they've got that awesome ice cream sandwich where they just smash ice yeah. cream between two cookies. Uh, they have a um, they have like a really good like waffles and ice cream kind of situation going here as well. But my favorite, the main event here, is the sweet and spicy chicken and waffle sandwich. I hear that's wonderful. It's so 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 good, folks. If you've never had it, you got to try it. I believe they also have things like uh, pretzels and stuff there as well. But I I really like. Um, Getting food from there and having it over in the outdoor seating area that kind of runs right adjacent to it. Which in some way needed to be expanded, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. How much? It's also where I would typically get trapped when the Main Street Electrical Parade was going by. 
Yep. Like, every time I get to that corner, no matter what time of day it is, in my head, I'm always hearing the... Like the the Main Street Electrical Parade song. Hard to make that electronic sound with just your mouth, but you yeah. did a good job. Yeah, I tried. Um, <clears throat> okay, so entering from Fantasyland, where we left off last time. Crossing the passageway by the Rapunzel bathroom. This is, a, this is what Disney calls a portal. It is a, um, you know, a bridge between two lands and you'll notice as you cross through this portal it actually gets darker and then lighter to kind of signify a scene change like one would have in a movie this portal is meant to be symbolic of you crossing the atlantic ocean from england which is uh what the architecture near peter pan's flight is inspired by into the into a new england harbor uh which is the columbia harbor house now the columbia harbor house straddles Fantasyland and liberty square because it's a harbor house. So you're at the harbor and you've got the harbor house in one on one continent and the harbor house on the other continent, kind of like right. framing your journey. Uh, now the sign on the fantasy land side has always been very interesting to me. Um, it, there are, there are no real words on it unless you look really closely. The main part of the sign is a chicken and a fish. And that is because in the old world in Europe, a lot of people weren't able to read. So signs for restaurants had to show what they had serving right. in the restaurant, this being chicken and fish. Originally, uh, this was this um, location was just going to be called Chicken and Fish, which is kind of weird. And then on the opening day maps, um, it was called Nantucket Harbor House. But when it actually okay. opened in 1972, it was called the Columbia Harbor House, which is the name that it still has to this day. Harbor House, of course. O-U-R. Right. Now, the, um, as you walk through the covered passageway, you'll notice the doorway to Memento Mori on the right-hand side. We'll get back to that later. But the background music is suddenly changing, and you light, you know, the, the, the lights go down, they come back up, and here you are in the new world. Now, a little bit more about the Columbia Harbor House. The Columbia was the first American sailing ship to circumnavigate the globe, and that's what the Columbia Harbor House is actually named for. Uh, There's an eagle on the sign of the Columbia Harbor House, very similar to the eagle on the back of the dollar bill. However, um, there is... uh, On the dollar bill, the dominant claw of the eagle is holding olive branches, and the other one is holding arrows. On the sign for the Columbia Harbor House... The dominant claw is holding the arrows to show that this is a country at war. Huh. And the other hand is holding a a bowl of chowder. A bowl of New England clam chowder, obviously. Um, uh, Or holding a lobster roll with celery in it. Right. (laughs) Uh, So um, there are two levels to the Columbia Harbor House. And if you're not sitting on the second level, I don't know what to tell you because you're missing out. There's... Have you ever sat on the first level of the Columbia Harbor House? I no, don't right? Think so. Like I don't think so. You go up to the second floor, you try to get a seat by the window. Yep. It's my favorite place to go when I think it's going to rain. Like, all okay. right, I'll, I'll pop in here, I'll I'll get a tuna sandwich, go up to the second floor, sit by the window and just kind of watch it rain until it stops. There are several rooms and each one is named after a US port. A port on the East Coast that would have been during colonial times. There are five entrances and exits to the Columbia Harbor House to represent the five major ports uh, during colonial times. And these these ports, uh, entrances and exits, 
are found in both Fantasyland and Liberty Square. So, coming at, now what is your what is your go to at Columbia Harbor House when you eat there? Huh. I, you know, it's funny. Columbia Harbor House is a place that doesn't have a ton of stuff that I love. Right. I'm not like a person. Um, I've had the chowder. I believe they have a fish and chips there, right? They do. They have some kind some of fish kind and of chips fried there. Fish. Yeah. yeah. They have that's like a fried fish with fried that. shrimp, and that's kind of what I usually get. Okay. Um, you know, and the tuna fish sandwich there, not to be underestimated. Yeah, I'm not, not a tuna guy. Um, I've also gotten the lobster roll and been horribly disappointed. Oh. Lots of celery in there. I don't like celery. Like, celery is my, like, one crazy... There are two, like, crazy things that I... Three that I really don't Owls, like. Owls? No, I'm shark. talking about food. Well, I've actually eaten shark, and it's delicious. I, I felt like a... Um, like a sense of like justice by me eating okay. a shark, like take that. How do you like it? <laughs> Speaking of which, I will be watching Jaws tomorrow because that is my Fourth okay. of July tradition. A lot of people don't realize that it's a Fourth of July movie. Yeah. Yes, it is. You yell. I bar- just think a lot of people don't care about Fourth of July movies. So. You yell barracuda. No one's doing anything. You yell shark. Well, then we got a panic on our hands on the Fourth of July. You're not going to watch Independence Day? No, I watch Jaws. Yeah. Independence Day was ruined for me by the sequel. <laughs> I got me honest, I never saw the sequel, oh, so I wanted so to bad. whatever reason. And Don't. then my wife on TV one day and was like, "It's miserable." So I'm like, "Cool." So I never have seen it. Don't see it ever. Like, hold on to your happy memories, please. Now, listen, Independence Day is miserable. It's not a very good movie, but it's it's got some fun factor, especially if you're nostalgic about it. So. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I love the Columbia Harbor House. Probably one of my favorite quick service eateries in Walt Disney, in, in not in Walt Disney World, but in the Magic Kingdom. Um, the fried shrimp is can't be beat, and yeah, I'm a big fan. So let's take a look over at Memento Mori. This is a newer shop. It formerly was called the Yankee Trader Shop, uh, which originally was called the Yankee Peddler Gourmet Culinary. The Yankee Peddler. Hold on, I'm sorry. I've never seen you stumble over a shop name. Yeah. This is a new one. It's so complex. I think it's why they had to change it. It's the way I wrote it. Uh, So, formerly the Yankee Trader Shop, but before that, it was the Yankee Peddler, and it sold gourmet culinary aids. Or it might have been called Yankee Peddler Gourmet Culinary. Yes, it was called Yankee Peddler Gourmet Culinary Aids. All I know is I went in this store every trip forever and was like, why is this here? Right. Right, because it's. it sold unusual cooking and serving accessories along with exotic spices. And they had that one little, and even that was more recent, that one little cart outside that sold Haunted Mansion stuff. Yet yes. there was a store here selling utter nonsense. Yeah, so the store was actually sponsored by Smuckers, and they sold jelly okay. inside. I do like jelly. With a name like Smuckers, this store's got to be good. Right? That's a, that should be a catchphrase. Right, it should be. This is why I'm a marketing genius. Uh, so the cart that you're talking about was formerly the only place you can get Haunted Mansion merchandise, and that was Madame Leota's cart. Well, yep. Madame Leota upgraded because Memento Mori is believed to be owned and operated by Madame Leota. Now, according to Stephen Miller, the merchandise and communications manager of, of the Magic Kingdom, Memento Mori was once Madame Leota's home, with her many belongings still in the shop as well as a portrait of her. Memento Mori also introduced a new line of Haunted Mansion merchandise. Now, the the... Merch in Haunted Mansion in Memento Mori is unbelievable. 
probably my I mean, favorite themed shop now that the Muppet oh, Shop doesn't I mean, have Muppets in it. Without question, it's mine. Yeah. But. Now the um, the cast members here dress slightly different than the butlers and the maids that you'll find in the Haunted Mansion. The most notable feature on their costumes is a slightly brighter color scheme, and the tie that they wear has a button that resembles Madame Leota's tombstone outside of the Haunted Mansion. There are multiple paranormal occurrences that take place inside the shop. For instance, there is a portrait of Madame Leota on the wall that changes under an ultraviolet light with eyes that glow in the background. There are also bottled spirits as seen on higher shelves. There's also a mirror where the apparition of Madame Leota materializes accompanied by music and then vanishes after a few seconds. Now, the cast members are one of the best parts of Memento Mori because they kind of disregard all the paranormal happenings and really only are paying attention to the bottled spirits. Like, if you ask them about, like, Madame Leota appearing in the mirror, they're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, like they pretend nothing happened. Right. Um, there's also the spirit photography booth. And guests can get their picture taken there, and then it's modified to look like one of the photographs hung in the Haunted Mansion corridor. Which uh, is not there anymore. The, they, don't do, they don't do it anymore? No, that's long gone. When they, when they came out with the 50th anniversary jars, the spirits in a the jar, they stopped doing the portraits. Huh, I thought the portraits were still there. I could have sworn I saw no. them recently. No, portraits are gone. That entire room now is actually for those jars. They've taken all the cameras out and everything. Well, it's... then they, they used to do the spirit photography there. Didn't you, yeah, they didn't did. you get the spirit photography done? Yes, and, and thank God I did because I'd be bummed out if I never got it. Yeah. So like, I pretty much forced my family into it too. They were like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we're doing." Wasn't this, this also like your daughter's like afraid of everything time period? Uh, I mean, she's still in that time period. I think when it comes to haunted mansion, I might have scarred her accidentally. Um, although she does like riding the ride, but okay. um, I so I forced her to take this picture, and she was terrified of it. She didn't want to. She was little. Um, it's adorable because she has on a headband with like a palm on it, kind of. So like, it looks like so cool in the picture uh-huh. so the girl who developed the pictures brought them out to us and i was standing with abby i think heather and ethan were outside and she's like look and i brought hers and like ran it out to her with this picture of her like turning into like a skeleton and i swear i thought my daughter was literally just gonna combust right there but um yeah i didn't hang them up for years now they're currently hanging up uh they look great and, and she's okay with it. I mean, she's 12 at this point but right. uh, there was a while there where i'm pretty sure she never looked at that wall ever <laughs> It's in the basement. That's so okay. Right, right. So the the um, the photos would change to give people a winking eye, blue colored skin, and skeletal teeth. Now, the title of the store, Memento Mori, is actually a Latin phrase, and it means "Remember that you will die." And the definition of a memento mori is an object that serves as a warning or reminder of death, such as a skull. So there you go, for people that have always wondered. All right, now, as we exit Memento Mori and look over to the right, there's something unsettling on the horizon. In Disneyland, it might be seen as a New Orleans plantation, but here, it is connected to the Hudson Valley Headless Horseman story. Um, they wanted to create more of like a, like a Washington Irving, Ichabod Crane kind of feel for the haunted mansion in Walt Disney World. The first thing we see is a carriage house, Peter Mandel. Inside, the horseshoes are all hung upside down to show that all the luck has run out. There's no luck in here. Zero. Uh, this was once a fast pass location with fast pass kiosks, but before that, it was the entrance to the Mike Fink Keelboat attraction, 
from 1971 to 2000. Do you remember these? I don't. I don't either. Uh, but a small building next to the dock was the Keelboat Hat Shop and also was once called Ichabod's Landing. Mike, fin- Mike Fink was a boatsman on the Mississippi River in the late 1700s who was featured in one of Disney's Davy Crockett's uh, series. Two boats with a cabin in the middle and a second deck were made up the keelboats, and it went around Tom Sawyer Island. Now, unlike the Liberty Square River boat, which we're going to touch on later, these boats were, fl- were free-floating vessels and were actually piloted by the cast members that also you know, narrated everything. And they wore a Davy Crockett costume. Cool. Um, now, what do you think, ticket-wise, the Mike Fink keelboats keel boats were? Uh, um, C. B ticket. B ticket. It was a B ticket attraction. Now, outside the carriage house, you're going to find a stone circle that a lot of people overlook. That is the former site of a stone well that once sat outside the mansion's gates. So I like that when they take things out, they kind of mark it. Yeah. To, like, remember it. How about that hearse? Hitched to an invisible horse with dead roses inside, this hearse is actually a authentic Civil War era hearse. It was actually used as a hearse during the era of the Civil War. It was also used in a John Wayne film called The Sons of Katie Elder. Okay. It's an actual prop from that film. So if you are a John Wayne fan, or if somebody in your family is a John, like if you bring your grandfather and he loves John Wayne but maybe doesn't love Disney so much, have him take a picture with the hearse because it was in a John Wayne movie. Now the queue. We hear a howling animal. We see the black wreath upon the door. Now the black wreath is more than just a dead wreath. Do you know what the black wreath is? Tell me. So the black, in colonial times, hanging a black wreath upon the door meant that there is sickness or death inside of this house and enter at your own risk. Okay. The architecture of the mansion is built to a Hudson River Valley Dutch Gothic style uh, and also modeled after a mansion called the Harry Packer Mansion in the Pocono Mountains. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, It's built with strong vertical lines that kind of make the mansion more intimidating and kind of makes it feel like it looms or towers over you. Uh, There's a bat on the weather vane outside. And the flower planters outside the mansion, which are mostly filled with dead dead plants, are actually cremation urns. Now, this queue was remodeled to feature interactive elements. You've got things like the pipe organ that I always try to play. Uh, you could you got to touch all the instruments on the sides. Maybe you're not going to do this so much when the parks reopen for a little while. Uh, you know, because touching things other people touch. Uh, but my favorite is, like, you know, when you touch the instruments and they play the music, and then when you touch the cat on the other side and you hear the cat meow. Yep. You've also got the poet, um, Prudence something or other, where you can, like, actually complete her poems for her. They also have that really cool mystery of, like, you know, a murderer that you can kind of follow along with from those busts in the beginning, and you don't yeah, find out. Who, really yeah, you don't find out who done it until the end. The end of the ride. Right. Um, I also really like the um, the the sea captain's grave, but like sneezes water out onto you. Yeah, that's great. And of course, this is also where we find the bride's ring embedded yep. in the pavement. So the story behind I that. Yep, yeah, it's so funny because we can do a whole show on the haunted mansion. I believe we have done it in the past, but like the um, there was a when they removed a um, a piece of the exit queue 
it left behind a small ring in the concrete. And people were like, oh, what is this ring? Oh, it must be the bride's ring. And she threw it out the window when she died or something like that. It got tromped by a horse. Uh, well, Disney took away the ring when they redid the queue, but they actually added another ring into the actual entrance queue. And that is the bride's ring. Okay, so the one thing everybody wants to know about at the Haunted Mansion is the tombstones. So I got a list of all the tombstones from DisneyDispatch.com, and we're going to go through some of them right now. You ready? Okay. Yep. Here rests Waffle R. Bender. He rode to glory on a fender. Peaceful rest. That is uh, for Waffle Rogers, who worked as an animator on many Disney classic animated films like Pinocchio, Bambi, Alice in Wonderland, and Sleeping Beauty. In his spare time, he created model railroads and toys, which Walt Disney obviously loved. As a result, Waffle helped Walt create Project Little Man, the first of Disney's many audio animatronics. He became known as Mr. Audio Animatronics, or the grandfather of audio animatronics, and helped the company create some of its iconic figures, including Abraham Lincoln in the walking and the walking Benjamin Franklin, who stars in the American Adventure at Epcot. Here lies good old Fred. A great big rock fell on his head. That was for Fred Jorger, who was a set designer and model builder, best known for the rock formations he created from plaster. So that's why a great big rock fell on his head. Uh, he crafted miniature models of Disney theme park attractions prior to the, their full-scale construction, and he was also responsible for giving many attractions the Disney look, and he designed all of the rock work that you see at Walt Disney World. Rest in peace, Cousin Hewitt. We all know you didn't do it. That was for Cliff Hewitt, a lead interior designer for the Haunted Mansion and an architect for Wed Enterprises, which is now known as Walt Disney Imagineering. Requiescat Scott Francis Xavier, no time off for good behavior. R.I.P. Uh, that was for um, X Atencio. The X is for Xavier. He joined Disney in 1938 and worked on many of Walt's animated features before transferring to Wed in 1964 to help with such famous attractions as Pirates of the Caribbean, Adventure Through Inner Space, and The Haunted Mansion. He also co-wrote Grim Grinning Ghosts. So, there Which you is go. funny because he was not a songwriter. No. It's one of those weird times where Walt was like, yeah, do this. <laughs> and and he's like, that's not what I do. Yeah. And it ended up being, you know, struck genius. He is also the voice that you can hear going, let me out, let me out! Inside the mansion's conservative conservatory trying to get out of the casket in the funeral parlor scene. Ugh, my favorite here. Dear sweet Leota, beloved by all, in regions beyond now, but having a ball. That is the newest tombstone, which I believe was added sometime in the 2000s. I believe it was 2002. Uh, They added Leota tombstone. Um, The stone moves up and down, almost as if it's breathing. And the face opens to take a look at the crowd and then closes its eyes again. Um, the best is, like, I was there with, a, with, with, like, a friend and their kids. And the kid is like, that tombstone just opened their eyes. I'm like, no, it didn't. That Don't be silly. Like, uh, Madam, So Madame Leota inside, who is the fortune teller, is named after Leota Tombs, who was a wed artist. Now, Leota Tombs' actual head is Madame Leota's face. It was used to test the mansion's seance room crystal ball, but the Imagineers thought it worked, so they kept it for the final version. Of course, it was voiced then by Eleanor Audrey, who played Maleficent and uh, Lady Tremaine in the Disney movies. 
The tombstone and character in the seance room are both named in her honor. She's also little Leota at the end of the attraction, and that is her face and voice, who both go, hurry back. Uh, her daughter, Kim Irvine, is actually currently an Imagineer. It's true. Did you catch... Uh, I loved her, her little bit in the Imagineering story. Yeah, it's great. Where she talks Featured about... Featured her how, a lot, actually. Yeah, and they, she talks about how like she goes into the Haunted Mansion to hear little Leota because she gets to hear her mom. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I thought that was so sweet. Like it really like hit me in the in in the heart. Dear departed brother Dave, he chased a bear into a cave. Is for Dave Burkhart, who is a model maker with Disney. After the mansion, he worked as a field art producer and show designer on the Swiss Family Treehouse and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> in 1974, he became superintendent of decoration at Disneyland in charge of making the show aspects of the park look good every day. He kept advancing in the company until his assignment in 1984 to the Tokyo Disneyland Project. There he created show qual- the Show Quality Assurance Program to help Japanese management learn how to keep maintenance on par with the rest of Disney parks. After leaving Disney in 1996, he worked for Universal Studios as the creative director for their theme park in Japan, a.k.a. Trader. <laughs> uh, here lies a man named Martin. Lights went out on this old Spartan. That is Bill Martin who, after leaving 20th Century Fox, helped design and build Disneyland. Every Saturday, he'd walk the park with Walt to see how they could improve it. Bill also contributed to the creation of all dark ride track development. In 1971, he was named the vice president of design at WED. He was also responsible for the design of the utilidors that run beneath the park and for the design of various watercraft, including the Admiral Joe Fowler and Richard F. Irvine riverboats uh, in the Magic Kingdom. Rest in peace, good friend Gordon. Now you've crossed the River Jordan. That's Gordon Williams, who was an audio animatronics authority and accomplished audio designer. He was behind almost all of the sound effects that you'll hear in the Haunted Mansion. In memoriam, Uncle Myall, here you'll lie. Uh, in memoriam, Uncle Myall, I guess is how you say it. Here you'll lie for quite a while. Uh, that is Chuck Myall who was one of the master planners of Disney World, as well as an art director and project designer for WED. His projects included Sleeping Beauty Castle, the monorail, Pirates, and Pirates of the Caribbean over in Disneyland. Rest in peace, Master Sewell, the victim of a dirty duel. Peaceful rest. That was Bob Sewell, who joined WED after Disneyland opened in 1955. Sewell was in charge of show installations at the park, and he was head of the model shop at WED for most of his years at Disney until his retirement in 1981. In memory of our patriarch, dear departed Grandpa Mark, obviously Mark Davis, the legendary Mark Davis of the Nine Old Men, um, his concept art as well is well known by many Disney fans and were the origin of many audio animatronic scenes found in both Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion. Uh, at peaceful rest lies Brother Claude, planted here beneath this sod, Claude Coates who was originally a background artist for Walt's animated films, and later as a show designer, he helped bring Disneyland and Walt Disney World to life. He was largely responsible for designing the Haunted Mansion's interior elements. And then finally, Master Gracie, laid to rest, no mourning please, at his request, is legendary Yale Gracie, who spent a year in a warehouse with Raleigh Crump, doing nothing but coming up with special effects and gags for the Haunted Mansion. Of course, Master Gracie is kind of the name that people have kind of given to the ghost host. Uh, yep. People have taken to leaving roses on Master Gracie's grave because it's so readily accessible. I always love seeing flowers on that grave. Me too. Uh, now, as you move through the queue, Liberty Square vanishes. 
um, as you move through, isol- making you more isolated from the rest of the colonial town. Inside the mansion, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time because we can do our own show on this. You've got the stretching room. You've got the new photo that comes out, um, which I love. The funeral parlor with the raven, which apparently the cast members in the, go to the funeral parlor before every sh- before they start the day and all pet the raven as a sign of good luck. Okay. You have Madame Leota. You have the ballroom scene, which is done using an old magician's trick called Pepper's Ghost, which was developed in 1862. Uh, and the pipe organ in here is an exact copy of Disneyland's. Now, why is that important? Because Disneyland's pipe organ in the Haunted Mansion was actually Captain Nemo's pipe organ from the, from the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea film. And then you have the attic, the graveyard, the hitchhiking ghost, the pet cemetery, which features the, you know, grave of Thaddeus Toad. Correct. Because we all know that he's off to a warmer climate at the end of Mr. Toad's yeah. Wild Ride. Um, <laughs> now, Pete, this might be an easy one for you. What ticket was the Haunted Mansion? Uh, I want to say A, but I'm going to go E. Yes, it was an E ticket attraction, of course. All right, moving back into Liberty Square, we've got a cache of cannonballs alongside some cannons that are facing out at the water uh, to ward off British attacks. Also, you have larger buildings that are broken into smaller facades to make it seem like there are more buildings than there actually are here. Each home tells a different story. You'll notice a lot of different colors and different door handles on all of the buildings, as well as iron boot scrapers near the front doors. There are no bathrooms in Liberty Square. Have you ever noticed that? Hmm. The closest restrooms are the Rapunzel restrooms in Fantasyland or the bathrooms over in Frontierland. Because in colonial times, no one had bathrooms. Right. They, you just did your business either in an outhouse or a chamber pot and then emptied Perfect. it out the window where it gathered in the middle of the road. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's gross. There's no way Disney's paying homage to that. But you'd be wrong. Because, uh, you are wrong. <laughs> because there's a brown line that runs down the center of liberty square which is a line of poop it's meant to be waste and garbage that people would so the roads were built concave so like the gutter was in the middle of the road because people walked on the side of the road and so all of that waste would gather in the um center of the road and flow toward water now it does flow toward the the rivers of america but it takes a hard left turn do you know where the poop line terminates no i don't it actually terminates at the bathrooms in Frontierland. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That, that's something that I just kind of figured out on my own by following it. Huh. Now the windows. The windows of Liberty Square tell you a lot of different stories. You'll notice that the shutters are all kind of on an angle. That's because back in colonial times, obviously the British were not selling ammunition to the colonists to use to shoot them with. So the they would take any metal they could get, which included the hinges of the shutters on their houses and they would melt them down into musket pellets. Now, the actual shutters then were held by leather ties that over time would warp in the sun and get looser, and it would, um, it would make them fall at an angle. So that's what that, that, that is what that is signifying. In one of the uh, windows of the Hall of Presidents, you have two lanterns. That is for Paul Revere, one if by land, two if by sea. Uh, muskets are in some of the windows. This is this is uh, partly for the Minutemen who had to be ready in a minute's notice to grab up their musket and go to war. It was also something that would be placed in the window where if, if someone's husband was out to war, they would place a musket in the window being like, my husband's out at war, but I am armed. And if you come into my house, I will shoot you dead. That's uh, a strong statement. Yeah. 
Uh, there is a. You also notice um, near the Columbia Harbor House in one of the windows. There's this hand-in-hand fire mark in one of the windows. That is fire insurance. That was a mark of fire insurance. So at the time, if your house caught fire, if you had fire insurance, the fire brigade would come and put out the fire. If it didn't, they would kind of just stand outside your house and watch it burn and make sure that it didn't spread. But they wouldn't actually put the fire out. Uh, The music of Liberty Square was recorded using instruments that were only available during colonial times. So they wanted to make it authentic. Right. The Liberty Square Market, one of my favorite places to get snacks. You've got fresh fruit. You've got individually wrapped pickles. It's one what of the, is the good snack there? What um, is your grapes? The grapes, okay. Grapes, and um, I really also like the. Um, they have seltzer water there, and that's pretty much all that I drink. I love seltzer water. Okay. You can also get hot dogs, pretzels, turkey legs. They used to have grilled corn on the cob there. And you could like put different spices and stuff on it. I don't think they still have it, but like I think here and there it comes back. So this is also where they used to have the uh, candied bacon on a stick, but that has since moved to Frontierland. The Hall of Presidents, one of Walt's final dreams, uh, modeled after Independence Hall in Philadelphia. The um, it's a 1787 on the door, and that is the year of the con- of the Constitutional Convention, where the United States Constitution was drafted. This was an original idea from Walt to feature every president. Um, it changes out whenever a new president is elected. The presidential seal is featured in the lobby. It's one of the few places in the world where the presidential seal is. I believe there's only three. Yeah. Including that one. Yeah, the Oval Office, the Hall of Presidents, one in Philadelphia. and one in Philadelphia. Yeah. The uh, presidential items are also on display. Bill Clinton's saxophone, Abraham Lincoln's inkwell, uh, George W. Bush's inauguration boots, which I believe say Prez on the side of them. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing about the Haunted, about, uh, Haunted Mansion, about um, Hall of Presidents, it was originally one of only three shows that were unique to Walt Disney World when it opened. The others were the Mickey Mouse Review and the Country Bear Jamboree. Okay. Everything else was a copy of something that was already in Disneyland. Hmm. In the original show, Paul Fries, who was the voice of the ghost host over at the Haunted Mansion, was actually also the voice of George Washington. A little bit of crossover for you there in Liberty Square. That guy can do anything. Uh, Bill Clinton was the first president who voiced himself. And all of the presidents, uh, except for a few, have been sculpted by Imagineer Blaine Gibson. No relation to out-of-work Owl and severe disappointment to his family, Hoot Gibson. Um, he or would come Hoot. out of retirement whenever there was a new president to sculpt the new president's um, audio animatronic. Valerie Edwards, his apprentice, took over with his oversight uh, to create Barack Obama and then continued okay. onward after that. Gibson died in 2015 at 97 years old. Blaine, uh, Blaine Gibson, not Hoot Gibson. Hoot Gibson is alive and well and living off those government checks. Uh, um, This actually, this attraction opened during the Nixon administration. So eight presidents have been added since the opening of the Hall of Presidents. There are a lot of really cool uh, things in there. Like, um, for instance, George W. Bush's stylists worked with Disney to get the gray of his hair just right. Okay. Obama's tailors worked with him to get his suit and his like lapel pin all perfectly right. Uh, there's a polio brace under FDR's pant leg 
Jimmy Carter's wife actually donated a suit for the Jimmy Carter animatronic because she came to. She's one of no no president has ever seen themselves in the haunted mansion. Uh, haunted mansion in the hall of presidents <laughs> in the hall of presidents uh, while they while you know their animatronic was speaking. Uh, but a couple first ladies have, and one of them was Jimmy Carter's wife, who looked at the suit that the animatronic was wearing and said, "Who gave you that terrible suit? I'll send you a new one," and sent them a new one. Awesome. Now, what ticket was the Hall of Presidents? D. This was an e-ticket attraction. I, I, you know, I thought that. I knew it would be high because, you know, I, I knew Disney would hold it in such regard. But yeah, okay. E-ticket. Well, and also it was right by the bicentennial, so it was a big draw at the time. Right. Right. Uh, next to the haunted mansion, you've got a pair of rocking chairs that you can sit in and just kind of relax. Uh, it's a nice little area right there. You've also got the Heritage House, which was formerly a shop that sold handcrafted dolls, computer candlesticks, and busts of the presidents. Now it is guest relations. There you go. Uh, but it's not so much what happens inside the Heritage House that I'm interested in as what happens above it, periodically. Um, they bring it back. They, this show used to run every day. Now they only run it during busy seasons. It is great moments in history starring the Muppets. Such an amazing show. The Muppets are done by real puppeteers, um, and and they do two stories. They do the signing of the Declaration of Independence, as well as the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. The Paul Revere one, I think, is funnier, because it's got, okay. it's got some tie-in jokes to Muppet Vision 3D that I think are really fun. Love that. Uh, but, you know, the one I've seen more often than that is the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and that's the one that features J.J., the town crier of Liberty Square, and Sam Eagle is up on top of the Hall of Presidents, which is super cool. Awesome. Yeah. And it's got a great song. Great moments in history. La, 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 la. Yeah. And here's what you will take away in all your minds and hearts. Great moments in history, but only the American parts. I love that. Um, obviously, I love it. It's the Muppets. Right. They, you know, they could be reading my own obituary and I would love it. Uh, the Liberty Bell. It was made from the same mold as the recasting of the original Liberty Bell. Uh, it was created to tour around for the Constitution's Bicentennial in 1987 and was then given as a gift to Disney from the city of Philadelphia. Oh, very nice. Thirteen flags surround the Liberty Bell for the 13 colonies. And in the 1970s, there was a daily ceremony called the Sons and Daughters of Liberty where they chose kids uh, out of the crowd to march with a fife and drum band who were named the, the official son and daughter of Liberty. The Liberty Tree is a real tree. Originally, now the original Liberty Tree was in Boston in 1765, and that was where the Sons of Liberty protested the Stamp Act. Most towns had a Liberty Tree as a symbol of assembly and freedom of speech, the right to protest. Lanterns were also hung on the tree as a secret code to communicate to rebel patriots the time and location of meetings. There are 13 lanterns that hang on the actual Liberty Tree in Walt Disney World, and it is a real southern oak that is over 100 years old and was found six miles south from its present location on Disney property in Orlando, Florida. It was relocated at 40 feet tall, 60 feet, wa- uh, 60 feet wide, and weighing in at 38 tons. Now, obviously, this was difficult to relocate, so two horizontal holes were drilled through the sturdy section of the trunk, filled with dowels, rods were inserted, and then used to lift the tree. They then plugged those holes back up after they had moved it and replanted it, with the original wood, but that had become infected and a rot started to form inside the tree. 
that they eventually um, they took out the the plugs, filled the holes with cement, and grafted a younger oak tree to the base of the tree and saved it. Mm, very cool. Acorns from the Liberty Tree have been used to grow new trees on Disney property and beyond. Excellent. Ye old Christmas shop. Love it. They have a sleigh out front, which I think is one of a re- is a really underrated place to take a picture, especially if you're trying to take Christmas card pictures. Yeah. Originally, this was three different shops. One of them was a perfumery created, which created original formulas that you could then so you could basically create your own perfume formula, and they would record it, and then you'd be able to come back and order it again in the future. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There was also a silversmith shop that was owned in storyline by Johnny Tremaine, who is the main character of the novel Johnny Tremaine, and was also there was a Disney movie made off of this. I read Johnny Tremaine in seventh grade, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was also an old world antique shop that sold such uh, souvenirs as grandfather clocks, furniture, and tables, which were very easy to carry out of the park. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have a bag, or they could send them to the yeah. front of the park, right. and you could just carry them. I mean, for me, I'm just going to carry my grandfather clock strapped to my back as I go to Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's perfect. There's also there's also a caricature artist just outside, and right beyond that is the gazebo, where you used to be able to meet Tiana and Naveen. Before that, it was Pocahontas. Now it is Mary Poppins. Meet her there. There was also okay. a Sorcerer's of the Magic Kingdom location back there as well, but I don't believe that is still that is still running. It wasn't there last time I went. The Liberty Tree Tavern is the sit-down table service restaurant here in Liberty Square and is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, it's a family-style menu, kind of like a Thanksgiving Day feast, but also features a regular menu for lunch. Um, I, I, do, you, do you enjoy the uh, Liberty Tree Tavern? I do. Um, more of a dinner place for us than lunch. Do you do the family style or do you do the regular menu? I am a believer in the family style. I do like the family style. It gives you the ability to create pot roast mac and cheese, which I'm a big fan of. There you go. Because they don't sell the pot roast mac and cheese anymore, but they give you pot roast and mac and cheese with the family meal that you can then combine. But I've done the regular menu because they have a really good restaurant quality burger there that I very much enjoy. Interesting. Uh, there are six dining areas in the Liberty Tree Tavern, each with its own fireplace. Um, you can find things like Benjamin Franklin's kite and keys inside the Liberty Tree Tavern. And my one of my favorite things, the town crier uh, will announce you when it's your time to be seated. I do like that. Hear ye, hear ye. We are now seating the Mandel family from the colony of New Jersey. Um... Now, also over in the, by the Rivers of America, you've got the Stockades, which are a fun photo op. Have you ever done the Stockade photo? Of course. Of course. Of course. And then finally, we have the Liberty Square Riverboat, which is not a free-floating vessel. It runs on tracks, but it is a real riverboat. It has three levels. Opened um, not on opening day, but the day after, October 2nd, 1971. Oh, so close to being an opening day attraction. I know. The first boat was called the Admiral Joe Fowler, and it was named after a retired Navy admiral who oversaw the construction of both Disneyland and Walt Disney World before he retired. Uh, This boat was damaged in 1980, where it slipped off of a crane during a refurbishment backstage and was never able to set sail again. Hmm. You know, I picture they're like, all right, Hoot, we're going to give you a job backstage. We feel we feel bad. You're going to be refurbing the riverboat. Oh, all right. Let me just refurbish this. Oh, no. Hoot, hoot, hoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired again, aren't I? 
Going to be a lot of Hoot Gibson talk next week, by the way, when we get to Frontierland. Oh, that has to be. We've got to talk about that river, the river expedition. We, well, we should just have him on the show. We should, right? <clears throat> uh, so after that, they created a new boat after they fired Hoot Gibson that was called the Richard F. Irvine. It was named for Richard F. Irvine, who was the VP of WED, and he was responsible for Walt Disney World and Disneyland design elements as well. Now, the boat is called the Liberty Bell, but the Magic Kingdom ferry boats were actually renamed the Admiral Joe Fowler and Richard F. Irvine. These are the boats that come from the TTC to take you over to the Magic Kingdom. Right. Um, <clears throat> this riverboat journey is hosted, uh, ho- also hosted ca- uh, character cruises in the late 90s. Characters such as Goofy, the Country Bears, and even Davy Crockett. Huh. It's a rare character. Yeah. Uh, you can also find the working steam engine, the boiler room, the captain's quarters, and it is narrated by Mark Twain as it goes around Liberty Square and Frontierland. And that's Liberty Square, my friend. I like it. You know, it, it, Liberty Square is one of those places I, I think a lot of people walk through it or just walk through it to get to Haunted Mansion. Right. So not everyone takes the time to kind of soak in the details. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many details to soak in. I mean, it's such a it's such a land full of history and magic. It's the one thing where, like, when I've gone on other people's podcasts as a guest, they usually want me to come on to talk about Liberty Square because it, there's just so much to talk about. And, um, yeah, I was really happy that we could be able to talk about it this 4th of July. Yeah, perfect time for it. Yep. It's a couple days after Canada Day, July 1st. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anything else you wanted to add about Liberty Square? Any food? Any... Uh, I feel like we kind of nailed it. I I am really excited about trying the pickle. I'm a a pickle connoisseur. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. I mean, it's Um, not like it's not like it's like a delicacy pickle. It's it's, you know, just a pickle that's wrapped up and I just like pickles. I'm okay with it. Um, Yeah. Um, All right. Well, uh, in that case, we need to check in with our friends around the world. uh, Let's see what they say. Yeah, because they had a lot to say about Liberty Square. All right, so I said, hey, Mousers, for this week's show, what are your favorite parts of Liberty Square? Here's what they had to say. Justin Littles uh, posted a um, a gif of Sam Eagle from Muppet Christmas Carol going, it is the American way. Uh, and he says, he says Muppets. Uh, Zach Adams says, I want to say the Poop River for comedy, but it's honestly the Haunted Mansion in Memento Mori. Becky Adams, his wife, says, I agree with what Zach said, and also the former great moments in history, but only the American parts. Um, Ashley Neumeister says, I loved the Muppet show, the Haunted Mansion, Memento Mori area, and also the Sleepy Hollow Easter egg on the building with the Christmas store. That is because, uh, Ye Olde Christmas Shop is actually a, um, a, it's supposed to be like a music lesson school, and the okay. proprietor is Ichabod Crane. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Greg Kerstetter says, I found a really, I found a new appreciation for Liberty Square my last trip. Aside from the obvious Haunted Mansion stuff, my favorite thing was getting a Nutella waffle from Sleepy Hollow and enjoying great moments in history with the Muppets. Also, when I think about it, I love Liberty Tree and Columbia Harbor House as some of my preferred dining locations in the park, and the Christmas store is great too. For being a section of the park that doesn't always pop into my mind when I think Magic Kingdom, it definitely holds a lot of things I enjoy. Sarah Coyle said Sleepy Hollow and the Nutella waffle. Dan Gaukowski says Haunted Mansion is the best part. It's easily one of the best rides in all of Disney World. Ryan Campbell says, eating lunch at the second floor of Columbia Harbor House and people watching out the window, also riding the Liberty Bell at sunset. Gigi Burns says, the Haunted Mansion, Liberty Tree Tavern, the Riverboat, and going to Ye Old Christmas Shop. Nathan Dunbar says, the Muppets present great moments in history, which I thought they had stopped doing, but when we went again this Christmas, they were performing again. 
That's because it runs periodically during busy times. I also love the classic ride feeling of Haunted Mansion, with only slight upgrades to some of the effects. For Christmas Eve dinner, we always go to Liberty Tree Tavern. So much food and all of it delicious. The ooey gooey toffee cake is a must-have. That is real. That is true. I do love that ooey gooey toffee cake. Ryan Welsh says great moments in history. Benjamin Travis says Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite attractions, so I have to go with that. Also, the Liberty Tree is calming to stand under. Plus, it reminds me of home, New England. Julie Rose says I love how spooky it is at nighttime. Jim Rotnofsky says Haunted Mansion and Liberty Tree Tavern, though I preferred it when it was character dining years ago. However, my favorite spot is by far Columbia Harbor House. That place brings me back so many memories. I grew up in New England, and I vividly remember my dad getting the fish and chips there every time we went as kids. And now it also is home to my wife's favorite, the Lighthouse Sandwich, which was discontinued but brought back by popular demand. Great move by Disney on that one, listening to guest feedback. Bob Gavea says the Haunted Mansion, best ride in the Magic Kingdom. Taylor Troyer says it will forever be the Muppets present great moments in American history. My favorite part of the Liberty Square is that it is still still open, though, is the ye olde Christmas shop. Michael Henderson says, I may be in the minority, but my favorite is the Hall of Presidents. I enjoy presidential history, and seeing all the presidents on stage at the same time is exciting to me. Yeah, it's kind of like the Avengers, almost. But, right. <laughs> you know, in, instead of, like, blowing things up, they just talk a lot. So it's kind of like a DC movie. It's kind of like Justice League. Okay, there uh, you go. Gregory Becker says, bring back the Muppets. Seth Tinsley says, I love the Hall of Presidents. The exterior is modeled after Independence Hall in Philadelphia. I love the little reflections of American history, like Sleepy Hollow. Also, Columbia Harbor House is my favorite place to eat. Brett Minima says, I love the Hall of Presidents. Reminds me of what this country and its leadership should be about. I also really miss the Muppets. Eric Masson says, the lobster roll at Columbia Harbor House is one of the great bites of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, couple that with their house-made chips while eating at, uh, at a table that straddles the walkway to Fantasyland, and you have all the makings for a uniquely delicious people watching lunch or dinner. That's all great except for the, the lobster roll because it's gross and has celery in it. By the way, I was saying before, my, my like... My, my foods that I don't like are celery, peas, and cilantro. I realize huh. I, never, I never said that. Those are my That's three. fine. I like all three of them. That's Ugh. wild. Uh, Jennifer Long, uh, Jennifer Mosby Luff says, Haunted Mansion, more specifically Leota's Tombstone and the ballroom scene. Jennifer Long says, Memento Mori. I can't go in there without spending a crazy amount of money. Um, oh, I, by the way, I said to Eric Matson, I'd love it uh, if not for all the celery. And he says, in the immortal words of Two Men and the Mouse, yeah, I get that. Right. Um, Jennifer Long, Memento Mori, I can't go in there without spending a crazy amount of money. Nathan Sanka says, we love Yield Christmas Shop. Venus Summer says, um, the, I'm going to say, Poop River that runs through the middle of Liberty Square to Tom Sawyer Island. Heather Marie says, the Haunted Mansion area. Santa Ron, who is a Santa Claus, said Haunted Mansion, especially at Mickey's Halloween party. Eileen Wells said, the market where you can get an ice cold Diet Coke and a giant pickle. Uh, Eddie Sanabria says, if you haven't tried the vegan meatloaf at the Liberty Tree Tavern, you're seriously missing out. Jennifer Dye says, Muppets, great moments in, Amer- in American history, RIP. I really hope this show comes back. It was such a cute addition and so fitting to the area. Gabby Rivera Malice says, Haunted Mansion. Michael Michael Bobigel says, seems like a no-brainer, but the Haunted Mansion. Laura Fee says, I love the Haunted Mansion and the Muppets, great moments in American history, but only the American parts. The first time we experienced that, my son was starstruck that the real Muppets were there. I also really dig the road coloring. So authentic. Trace Maudlin says, I love all the little hidden details. For instance, the river of poo that runs through the center of the street. Every time I see it, I am flushed with excitement. It's a great place to take a load off. See what he did there? <laughs> I'm way too entertained by that. Samantha Wright says, Haunted Mansion. Jen Irwin says, Great moments in history, but only the American parts. Jason Frink says, I love that spot right where the Haunted Mansion queues awning starts. 
you get a great view of the mansion and the ghost hearse is right there. You're about to duck under the awning into another world. The river is on your left and the tunnel to Fantasyland is down on your is down on your right. For me, this is as big of a Disney location as seeing the castle from Main Street. And finally, Amy Godden says, playing the Will Columbia Harbor House Be Open game. It's one of my husband's favorite quick service restaurants, and over the last 17 years of trips, it's probably only been open half the time or less while we're there. That's strange to me. I've never seen the Columbia Harbor House not open. Hmm, I don't know if I have either. Unless you're trying to go really late or really early. I don't know. Like, I, It's always open to me. Huh. That's weird. All right. Well, our friends had a lot to say about this. So. But I, I don't blame them. Yeah. Well, then, uh, that's going to do it for Two Men in the Mouse this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us and for coming along with us on Liberty Square. Pete, how are you feeling? Y- your walking shoes okay? Yeah, not too bad. Not as big of a land. Not so as big of a land I, as I fantasy land. So we're, we're good. Uh, folks, please, if you're planning, if, if you love our good friend Peter Mandel over there in Rogue Comics, check him out over at 105 North Union Avenue, Cranford, New Jersey, 07016. Or go to roguecomics.com where you can find a link to Pete's eBay store. Um, you can also, if you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World, Disney Cruise, Adventures by Disney, any Disney resort throughout the known world, Aulani in Hawaii, Universal Orlando, check out our friend and sponsor Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. You can always reach him at DisneyDaveWFHorizon.net. And also, folks, remember uh, to check out our Friends Kingdom strollers for all of your crib and stroller rental needs in the Orlando area. And for me, folks... Um, the audiobook for Rossinanti is coming. I just approved the final, um, the the final uh, uh, proofs of it. So hopefully it'll be out soon. Uh, check back on my Facebook page, facebook.com/slash uh, Kevin J Kessler author. You can follow along and like there uh, for announcements as to when that's going to be coming out. The full series in book form is available on Amazon.com. Just look up Kevin J. Kessler. You can find Ross and Andy and Winters of Honor, Birth of the Dark Angel there. And of course, check out the Morty Monster YouTube channel if you're looking for a little bit of uh, visual Disney magic as uh, Morty will be going back to the parks on the 9th for the past of the preview and filming a bunch of stuff. Uh, well, Pete, that does it again for this week. Any closing words? So what's up next? Frontierland. Frontierland. Go west, young man. Can't wait. Yep. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us again this and every week. Please keep the magic alive every day of your lives. And we will see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse. So there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Thank you for traveling with us.